Praise God, you got a seat. I think there's some people out here who didn't, but we have some seats up here. If you want to help us, there's plenty up here. There's two, three, four, five, da-da-da, da-da-da. Bring them in. Come on down. You're the next contestant on LifePoint now. So let's just, that's all right. Come on. Amen. I'm not waiting on them. I'm just, they're looking for seats. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine, ten. Oh, no, I can't give Jamie's seat away. Amen. Well, let's just give the Lord praise for what he's doing at Life Point Church. Can we do that? Can we just give the Lord praise for what he's doing? You know, at the beginning of 2022, um, and, and some of you that were with us, you know that we, we were believing God for 100 new families. Everyone say a hundred. We were believing God for a hundred new families throughout 2022. And um, we had certain parameters in which we would count families as being part of LifePoint Church. And um, I was informed two weeks ago that we have over 100 new families from 2022. Amen. Praise God. That's awesome. Amen. Come on. That's awesome. And God gets all the glory. He gets all the praise. It all belongs to him. He said this. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The Bible teaches us that God adds to the church daily as he Wills, And so we thank him for that, and we give him the praise. Just to give you a little bit of what's going on as far as our mindset, how we're working, what we're doing, be praying. This week, um, we are meeting with an architect. They're coming. They've been doing some design for us, some new drawings for us. They will be here Wednesday night, and hopefully we'll be able to get a plan and uh, eventually be able to bring that back and share that with you on the next phase of Life Point Church. And so we're excited about that. So you'll be praying about that, amen? And um, we're just believing God to just bring it all together in His time, His will, His plan. Amen. So, everybody okay? Are you breathing? All right. So... Um, we're in this series, and it's um, home builders, and um, I believe it's very important that we focus on our homes, on our families, on our marriages, on our children. And so throughout this series, we're going to be sharing some things, some practical things that you can apply to your life as an individual, to your marriage, um, raising your children. And uh, we just believe that God is doing something. I really do believe that. It's just not me saying it. I really do believe that God is doing something in marriages, and I believe God is doing something in the home with our children. And God is preparing us for what he's made ready for us. And it's going to be awesome. Do you believe that today? Two of you. Praise God. Amen. Let's pray, and then we'll get right into the Word of God. Father, I thank you, and I praise you for this day that you've made. I thank you for each and every one here today. I thank you for those 
that are joining us online, Father. We just thank you for a place of worship. We thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to worship you. Father, Lord, we never want to take it for granted. We never want to fail to give you the praise and the glory for it. Lord, we also take time right now to pray for those um, in Turkey, those in Syria, Lord, that um, have been affected. Some have tragically lost their loved ones. We just lift them up in prayer right now, Father. We ask God that you would be the God of all grace and comfort to them. And I pray, Lord, that somehow, some way, you would take that which is bad and turn it and bring about good. I pray that, Lord, that um, there would be a revelation of Christ in the hearts of people. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would just touch those that are suffering, touch those that are grieving right now. And Lord, we ask that you would touch this day. It's in Jesus' mighty name that I pray. Amen. And everyone said, Amen. As uh, Adam and Marisa alluded to, today is our sign-up day for groups. And I was looking around um, at the displays out here, and I'm telling you what, it's probably, it's probably one of the best lineups that we've ever put together here at LifePoint Church for you to get connected to a group. One of, the, one of the best things that you can do this year, one of the best things that you can do this year is get connected with a group, get connected with some people, and do life together. Amen? It's one of the best things you can do this year. Spiritually, it's, it's really, really going to benefit you and benefit others. So we want to encourage you to uh, look at our groups and get involved. And if you sign up, show up. Because your group leaders prepare and they plan. And um, it just really has an effect when you don't show up. So you're going to show up. We don't have to worry about that. Amen? Okay, so here we go. I'm going to skip point number one because I don't have time. And we'll put it somewhere in this series. But let's go, if you would, to point two. And I want to say this, as we're talking about, we'll talk a little bit about conflict and we'll talk a little bit about tension in your relationship and how you navigate through that today. So the first thing I want you to know, which is actually point number two, and that is this, no, it's okay to spar in marriage. know that it is okay to spar in marriage. Now, um, for those of you who don't know, this is really a boxing term where you have a sparring partner, amen? And uh, you have to understand that the sparring partner is really on your side, okay? And it's okay in a marriage to spar just don't knock each other out. There's an unwritten rule when it, go, when it comes to sparring in boxing, and the unwritten rule is don't knock whoever you're sparring against out. So typically it's someone who's sparring and, and helping someone who's going to be fighting for the championship or whatever, but there's an unwritten rule that you're not supposed to knock the other person out. So in marriage, you're going to spar, amen? Just nod. 
Some of you were doing that on your way here this morning. <laughs> Jamie and I were two weeks ago on our way to church. Yeah, we, we really were. She has this big bag right here that she carries with her. She's got iPads and everything in it, and it's just kind of been a running thing with us. I'm like, why don't you leave that at church? She's throwing it in, and she says, why don't you mind your own business? <laughs> and I said, woman, why don't you just start walking to church? <laughs> no, I, I, but I didn't. <laughs> and she said, well, why do you carry your bag? Because I have a bag that I carry. And she said, I carry my bag for the same reason you carry your bag. You have stuff you need, I have stuff I need. And off we went to church, praise God, hallelujah. <laughs> so you have to understand that during the sparring, you are really developing one another. Sometimes you're rubbing some rough edges off of each other. Um, you're trying to settle whether or not you're supposed to be carrying a bag to church or not. But what cannot happen is one of you can't be sparring and the other one fighting. So you both have to understand that we are sparring with one another. So obviously, I just need to put this out here because, trust me, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about physical altercations, Okay. So, you know, pastor said we could spar, put them up. Let's go. <laughs> let's, just, let's just throw down right here. I'm not talking about that. And if you are in an abusive situation, you need to find your way out of that situation and let someone know who can help you with that. So I'm not talking about that. But let me tell you what sparring is in a relationship. Sparring is communicating with each other. This is Sparring is how we communicate with, with each other, especially during times when things are a little tight and it's tense. How are we going to navigate through these things? I think Adam and Eve, and if, if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message because it all comes out of Adam and Eve. But I think Adam and Eve are a perfect example to us on couples who did not have or a couple who did not have good communication skills. And I say that because they ended up not following what God commanded for them, and they ended up sinning as a result of it. Here's what I believe. I believe that somehow or another, Adam miscommunicated with Eve about the tree in the garden. I, I believe that based upon Eve's response to the serpent. Did God really say, the serpent speaking to Eve, did God really say you cannot partake of this tree? Eve's response back to the serpent was, well, we're not supposed to eat from it nor touch it. And that's not what God said. God told Adam, don't eat from this tree. There was nothing there that we read about touching the tree. So Adam received that, that revelation from God. He then then transfers that to Eve, his spouse, and at some point in time, he miscommunicated the message to Eve. Because where did Eve come up with this not touching the tree? And so there was a miscommunication on Adam's part. And I want to tell you something. 
um, sometimes we get in trouble because we leave certain things out. So make sure that when you are communicating and sparring with one another, that you don't leave any gray matter in that conversation. I also believe, secondly, that there was no communication during this time of trial in their, in their life. Because when you read, again, Eve takes the fruit, Eve eats the fruit, and then the Bible says she turns around without saying anything and hands it to Adam, and then Adam eats from the fruit. So they've gone from uh, miscommunication to no communication on either side. We end up in trouble when we miscommunicate or have no communication in our marriage. Amen? Listen, listen, don't assume the other person knows what you're thinking. Guys, I need you to help me right there. Right? You know, you're in this sparring match and you're like, are you mad? And they're like, no. Well, you know. You know that's a lie. You know that's wrong. Well, I don't care. Do whatever you want, guys. You know. That is code, don't do whatever you want. Because you're going to get in trouble if you do whatever you want. Right? But ladies, you have to understand, remember from the beginning of this thing, we need help. We need help. Don't assume we know what you're thinking. Jesus, help us today. We need help. So poor communication, lack of communication makes a marriage go from bad to worse. And if it's not corrected, if it's not worked on, it can lead to divorce. So when fighters spar, they know, don't knock this person out, but they also realize that the person they are sparring with is not their enemy. But rather, the person that's sparring with them is there to equip them and prepare them to defeat their opponent. To equip and prepare them to defeat their opponent. So what Adam and Eve did was rather than both of them realizing at that moment what was going on, how the serpent had entered into their relationship, rather than both of them joining together and turning and confronting the adversary, teaming up and confronting the serpent, they turned on one another. And isn't that what the enemy desires for us to do? To get into this sparring match to where we start turning on one another. So, that's the time you have to discern and realize that we're here to team up, not turn against one another. And what happens is this. When sparring turns to fighting, very little listening occurs. Because we just start throwing haymakers at this point. You guys know what a haymaker is? Okay. All right. We just let it go. And we just start saying things. We just start letting things come out of our mouth 
that we really, really shouldn't let that happen. Amen? And so we need to be very careful, church, on what we allow to come out of our mouth during sparring sessions. Especially, especially when you're trying to work through a situation in your life. Amen? So your words are either going to beat that person down or build them up. So one of the things you need to be thinking of, okay, I'm getting ready, I'm getting ready to let this punch go. One of the things you have to be thinking of is this. Is this going to build this person up? Is this going to build our relationship up? Or is this going to tear it down? If it's going to tear them down, if it's going to beat them down, then you need to refrain from it. Hold back. Or think of another way to say it where it's not tearing that person down, but it is building that person up. Amen? So I want you to look at this scripture. It's found in Revelation 12. And um, you wouldn't think that I would use this as talking about marriage, but I want you to look at this because there's an analogy we're going to draw out of this scripture. Then it says, the dragon, which is the serpent, all right? He's in the beginning of the book. He's all the way at the end of the book. The dragon or the serpent tried to drown the woman with a flood of water that flowed from his mouth. Now, this scripture is referencing um, Israel, the woman. It's referencing Satan, who during the tribulation period will attack Israel. So that's what this scripture is about. And trying to destroy the nation of Israel. But here's what I want to draw from that scripture, and it's this. If you recall, and we just... Uh, sung about it a little bit ago. Jesus said, every house will be tested. And how will every house be tested? It will be tested with wind. It will be tested with rain. And it will be tested with a flood. Amen? And so many times in our homes, in our families, in our marriages, they are destroyed because of the flood that we create with the words that come out of our mouth. We destroy our families, our homes, our marriages with the flood of words that come out of our mouth. We keep spewing negative, toxic, demeaning, degrading words, and we bury that person. And we think that we're really getting to them. And we think that I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. And we flood them so much with verbal abuse that it destroys the relationship. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about today. The verbal abuse that destroys a relationship. You have to be careful that when you are communicating and when you are sparring, it's, you're not trying to flood that person and destroy that person with what's coming out of your li- mouth, but you're really trying to help correct the problem develop the relationship, and come out stronger for it in the end. Amen? Amen. So James gives us some rules for sparring. Listen to what he says in James 1.19. My dear brothers and sisters, say he's talking about me. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. How many people? Every one of us. Slow to speak, right? 
quick to listen, slow to become angry. One of the things when you're sparring, one of the things you need to do is simply this. Don't listen to respond, but listen to learn. Online church, go ahead and write that in for me. Don't listen to respond, listen to learn. That's the reason God gave you two ears and one mouth. You need to do twice as much hearing as you do speaking, right? I was hoping someone would agree with me on that. So instead of just, okay, I'm going to let them speak, I'm gonna, and then I'm just, I'm just loading, I'm loading up, I'm loading up, and then I'm just going to retaliate right back. No, listen. Listen. Try to learn from what's being said in that moment. Okay? So, so what happens then? Man, I need to hurry. What happens if, if you suffer flood damage in a relationship? How many of you know it's important to have insurance? Amen. Do you realize the first recorded miracle happened? The first recorded Jesus miracle happened when he was invited to a wedding? His first miracle occurred at a wedding. So here's some deep revelation. Make sure that you invite Jesus into your marriage. Amen. Make sure you do that. And then when you invite him into your marriage, make sure you're willing to do whatever he tells you to do. Remember his mother, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. Right? Just do it. So invite him into your marriage, invite him into that relationship, and whatever he tells you to do, do it. Now watch this. The Bible said that there were six water pots at that, at that wedding. They, they had ran out of wine. They were empty. And so six is the number of man. Everyone say man. When was man created? On the sixth day. Six is the number of man. Water, these water pots were containers. They were vessels. The Bible refers to us as vessels. I'm just doing some, some typology stuff here. So those containers could represent you and I. They could represent us as people. So God took empty vessels and he filled them with water. And when he poured, when they began to pour out of those vessels, that water turned into wine. There was a transformation that took place in the pouring process. God can bring about transformation if we do it his way. And rather than flooding a person and drowning a person, if we do it God's way, and spar the way that he's called us to spar, that water can be turned into wine. Oh, Jesus. So, watch this. Wine is the result of, result of what? Grapes that have been crushed and have been, after the crushing, a mature, maturing process. Okay? What happens with that is wine in the Bible is symbolic of joy. Everyone say joy. How many of you know that if you're married, there should be joy in that marriage? Just smile at me, guys. I'm telling you, we're going to get some good stuff here in a minute. There should be joy in that relationship, in that marriage. When the children of Israel 
were wandering around in the wilderness and they needed water. They came to a place and they started drinking the water and they couldn't drink it because the water was bitter. Remember what Moses did? Moses took a stick and he threw it in the water and the moment that he threw that stick in the water, the bitter waters turned sweet and they were, they were able to drink from that water. So some of you, because of, of prior things that have happened in your relationship, there's bitterness, there's resentment, there's anger, there's frustration that's in that relationship because of some of the words that were spoken during times where there was tension in that relationship. But here's what I want you to know. That stick is symbolic of the cross. And whenever you bring Jesus into the equation of your relationship, he will take those things that are bitter and turn them sweet. What I'm trying to get you to see today is even though you've been through a crushing point in your marriage or in that relationship, there's still time for God to turn the bitter things and make them sweet. Amen. Do you believe that this morning? Well, if you do, put your hands together and give the Lord praise. So instead of bitter things coming out of your mouth, sweet things begin to come out of your mouth. Amen? So now we're going to change and we're going to transition because not only is wine symbolic of joy, but wine is also symbolic of a renewed love and intimacy for one another. Just look at your neighbor and tell them, hold on. We're, just hold on right here. Here we go. You ready? Okay. Song of Solomon. Oh, yeah, we're going there. Song of Solomon starts off this way. Chapter 1, verse 2. Kiss me. Kiss me again. For your love is sweeter than wine. Amen. The same mouth that was being used as a weapon can become an attraction. It just depends on how you use it. Are you all with me? Amen. This is between the Shulamite and Solomon. And all throughout the Song of Solomon, it describes their relationship with one another. And here's what she's saying. She's saying, lay one on me, big boy. And then give me another one. Let me tell you, when you're sparring, and when you know it's getting ready to get really heated, y'all need to stop and lip lock. Mikey and... Lexi are enjoying this, so I'll go talk to them. <laughs> it's hard to spew when you are smooching. Amen? So, if you feel like it's getting too, too tense, too tight, lip lock. I'm telling you, it will change the atmosphere. Amen. Some of you don't know what to think of me right now. <laughs> Listen to what she's saying. She's saying, your love has an intoxicating effect on me. Come on, guys. How many of you know that's another level? 
She's like, you make me woozy. And I want to be with you. We're coming into Valentine's Day. I'm going to help you guys out this week. You just make me woozy. And then if you read verse 4, she says, uh, come and get me. Take me. Let's run. And then she's like, um, I didn't give you this scripture, but you can read it for yourself. She said, he brought me into his bedroom. Now it's on. Amen. So here's what I want you to notice, Jamie. I want you to notice this. <laughs> There's a desire on her part for intimacy. Kiss me. Oh, I like that. Do it again. It's out of desire and not duty. Well, I guess I have to do this. After all, you're my spouse. No, there's, there's a desire. There's an attraction there. Amen? Ladies, let me ask you a question. When's the last time you sent your man a text message that says, get home now, big boy? I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, he will almost kill himself to get home. <laughs> When's the last time you kind of wrote on the mirror because you know he was going to get ready in the morning and he's up and gone before anybody else and you're like, I'll see you tonight. Wink, wink. Amen. How many of you know that joker will be home tonight? Right? Here's, here's what I'm saying to all the women, and guys, you can write your check to Ken Wright. That's W-R-I-G-H-T. Here's what I want you to know. We need to know you still desire us. Got one guy saying amen. We need to know that. We need to know, hey, I still want you. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. If you don't let them know, someone else will. Because that's the way the enemy works. Right? That's the way the enemy works. So since I was helping the guys out, I'll flip the coin and I'll help the women out a little bit here as well. Guys, sex doesn't start in the bedroom. It starts by helping out around the house. <laughs> Do the dishes. Fold some laundry. I'm coming, I'm coming. Clean her car out. Fill it up with gas. Pay attention to her. Talk to her. Amen. Plan date nights. Take her away for a weekend. Well, I can't afford it. We can't afford to do that. Well, it's cheaper than a divorce. You just calculate it out. It's cheaper than a divorce. Amen. Listen, just 
Go to Sam's Club on Friday night. You, you can get a full course meal. All the samples. Here, honey, we're going over here. Here's... Just walk around Sam's Club. I, I took you out to eat. I mean, do something, amen? Amen. So here's what we'll see on Facebook now. We'll see guys folding laundry. That's code for people at LifePoint, okay? Amen. You see us, you see us at Sam's Club? Amen. Can I give you this and then we'll be done? Are you ready for it? Because I need to get you out here and, and let you get some groups. I wonder if I should just wait. Because I really need a lot. To... Here's what I want you to write down. God wants you to have amazing sex. When, when Jamie said, you're not really going to talk about that this week, are you? And then she goes, does he really say that? Um, I mean, let's be honest, that's usually a statement preachers don't usually make, right? Because um, many times us preachers spend all of our time answering questions that no one's asking. You know, um, in the meantime, there are real issues going on in your life that we're not addressing. Drowning in credit card debt, what are we going to do about it? Have no clue on how to navigate with this rebellious teenager. Or, you know, my marriage is a mess. Our sex life is non-existent. And here's the preacher up here talking about Gog and Magog, which I have done. Right? You cannot ignore the elephant in the room. If we don't talk about it, the devil will. And he will do it in such a way that twists and perverts the truth. Amen? Can I just say this? Church... 82%, 82% of society is getting information about sex other than the church. So you know what that means? That means this, that we're leaving it up to Hollywood and the music industry to take what God created, twist it, pervert it, and put a show on like they did last Sunday night and say, this is what sex is supposed to be. How many of you know the devil is a liar? Amen? I said that if you're still wondering, I'm talking about the Grammys, which I didn't watch, and neither should you. But you have to understand something. Before there was, my mother-in-law's here today, and she's like, I cannot believe he's talking about this. She's known me 40 years now, so she's. Can I just, listen, before there was sin, there was sex. It's in your Bible. God commissioned it in Genesis 2.24. Listen to what it says. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. One flesh. Listen to 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 16. Through 20, in the Message Bible, I want you to look at this. There's more to sex than mere skin on skin. This is in your Bible. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. 
Remember last week I talked about three levels, spiritual, emotional, and physical? Remember I talked about that attraction? Here it is. As it is written, the two become one. Since what we want to become, or since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever, the kind of sex that can never become one. What's he talking about here? He's talking about a covenant relationship, a marriage relationship. He's talking about the levels of, of what, how God created sex to be among a husband and wife. It is spiritual, it is physical, it is emotional. And anything outside of that covenant context will leave that individual lonely and empty. Why? Because it's not the way God created it. It's not the way God created it. I'm leaving a whole lot out, but I have to quit. Let me just say it this way. Since God created sex, and he did, it has to be governed by God. He created it. He governs it. Amen? How many of you know that sex can be like fire? In the right way, it's awesome. There's nothing like sitting down in front of a fireplace or a wood burner on a cold day. It just does something to you, doesn't it? Hey, make sure your neighbor's still breathing. Just Okay. But let me tell you something. That fire is good as long as it's in the confines of a fireplace or a wood burner. You take that fire outside of where it was designed to go. If you remove the parameters of that fire, it can destroy a home. Amen. And within the right parameters, Genesis 2, 24, Hebrews 13 and 4, a man and woman in a covenant relationship called marriage, sex can and will heat up your house. But anything outside of that can destroy your house. You believe that today? Well, let's stand before I get any more trouble. Come on, come on. Somebody like, praise Jesus, I'm out of here. God designed it. God governs it. And with this, within the context of a marriage relationship, God says, go for it. That ring on your finger says to the other 8 billion people on this planet, no. But it says your, to your spouse, go. Not leave, just go for it. Amen? So here's what I think. I think we need to have some Monday madness. I think we need some terrific Tuesdays. I think we need some wild Wednesdays. I think we need some throwback Thursdays. I think we need some freaky Fridays. I think we need some super Saturdays. 
and I think we need some Sabbath Sundays. Father, I bless every home and every family and every marriage 